The Start. On Demand. On Demand. A maze in corn is looking to expand its already world record holding snow maze, but the weather is not helping. We've been talking a lot lately as well about getting outdoors, finding stuff to do outside during the pandemic. Well, we continue that conversation today, including by asking the question, does the city of Winnipeg do a good enough job on clearing snow from sidewalks? Also, we talked about the rising popularity of ice fishing and online order mix-ups. One of our colleagues accidentally ended up with seven bags of flour And we learned that as she was responding to somebody who tweeted about getting exactly nine grapes in their grocery order. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, January 5th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Thankfully, order has been restored in our ranks because producer Jeff Fortier is back in the saddle, which means I will not be in the control room stumbling and bumbling my way. Was it Chris Berman, Greg, the the football guy, who says stumbling and bumbling? Absolutely correct. Chris Berman was full of uh, great uh, turns of phrase. Uh, That was one of them. Okay. Back, 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 back. It is gone. It's out of here. Just some great phrasing from uh, the the immortal Chris Berman, who I think was in Winnipeg once upon a time for the YMHA dinner, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. Look at that. With the YMHA. Yeah, young uh, man. I'm Googling that right now. (laughs) I don't don't know. I think it's the... Young man Hebrew Association. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Well done. So Forte. Good morning, Loren. Welcome back. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. It's good to be back. It's Tuesday, though. So uh, just a quick Tuesday check. Loren, how are you feeling on a Tuesday? You said Mondays in 2021 are no good. Tuesdays? Um, I'm just, whatever. It's like I can't sleep. It's like a running, I'm like a broken record. So just leave it. Greg? Let's just assume I'll be tired forever. <laughs> Tuesdays, <laughs> Tuesdays, have forever. No, Tuesdays have no feeling, right? So um, I'm going to go with that. Oh, okay. That's a more optimistic appraisal of the of my typical situation, where I I d- usually deem Tuesdays the worst uh, day of the week. But uh, last night was the first night in weeks where I actually slept like all the way through to the point where I woke up so dazed and confused uh, because it felt like I had been gone for weeks. So I had no idea what day it was. I had no idea what time it was. Why is my alarm clock going off? I don't know what's happening. Ah, yes. Okay. It's Tuesday. Yesterday was Monday. So that means today is Tuesday. So anyway, it is Tuesday and we have some changes coming at the provincial level uh, today, Loren. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be changes or just an expansion. We just got into our inbox this morning a a news release advising us that the Premier is going to announce new cabinet ministers at 11 a.m. And so, of course, these are the folks that get increased pay for increased workload. They might have an education portfolio or a health portfolio. And we've been hearing for the past couple of weeks that the Premier has been looking at the very least of adding a new health minister, a second Health minister, so not necessarily shuffling Cam Friesen off to something else, but giving them another person to work with. And so we'll hear at eleven o'clock if that's the case. And it, it says new ministers, plural. So I'm not sure what other additions or changes might be coming uh, at eleven o'clock. But we know this health minister portfolio has been discussed for weeks. I think BC and, um, if I'm not mistaken, maybe even Ontario have 
two health ministers. I know in BC they use one for the sort of the main health and then a mental health minister as well. And so it's not unprecedented, but it looks like the cabinet is growing. Breakfast with the Bombers coming up today, Greg, 735. One of our favorites. Buck Pierce, the offensive coordinator, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, of course, uh, was quarterback here, was the quarterback's running back's coach uh, as the Bombers won the Grey Cup in 2019. We'll ask him about his impressions of Boomer Esiason's scathing comments, his derogatory comments. Some have taken them as towards the CFL and towards Chris Strevler when he threw that interception that went uh, for six points the other way, a pick six as they call it. And uh, Buck Pierce is always a terrific guest uh, otherwise. So look forward to visiting with him just after Global News at the bottom of the hour. He's 737. The, he's like one of the, the, every time you talk to him, you can just, you know how some people are, you can tell that they're a nice person just from hearing them speak. And I've, that's every time I hear that man's voice, I just think he sounds like the nicest guy. He's incredibly kind. He doesn't, in my experience, forget a face. He doesn't forget who you are. I've interacted with Buck on and off for a decade now. Always remembers who I am. Uh, always remembers my kids. He is uh, one of the favorite all-time Blue Bombers in our house, without question. So that's coming up at 7.35. And as Skylar Peters was talking about in Global News at 6 o'clock, uh, cross-country skiing trails, groomers are working overtime because so many people are getting outside. But we've seen in the last couple of days, Loren, I guess, confusion or concern on the, the growing number of people going outside and uh, potentially gathering in larger numbers than they should because the weather is just so mild uh, to the yeah. point where, the prov- where Dr. Roos and sort of had to clarify stuff yesterday. Yeah, he had just to clear up what the rules are and the fact that you can be outside, that up to five, that you're supposed to be with people in your household. And I think what people are struggling with is if you pass a park or a Toboggan Hill or the Forks River Trail that's slowly, slowly expanding, you see that group and you think, well, that's a large group of people gathered there but are they all hanging out together what kind of distance are they keeping and all the rest and so he cleared things up a bit yesterday but i think it's still going to be one of those gray areas for folks in the sense where when you pass that busy sidewalk or street or hill you might still think to yourself i don't know if that's too many folks there and so we're going to talk a bit more about some of the ways to get outside and what some people are hoping to do in the weeks ahead because uh, at 707 we're going to visit with the amazing corn which, of course, in the winter does the amazing snow, and they're really hoping they can open this year and, and try to do things safely. And they're looking to make it 40% bigger than it even was when it was a Guinness World Record holder for the world's biggest maze. It's already known as the world's largest snow maze. But if things go well this winter, the snow maze just north of St. Adolph will be even bigger than it was the year it first captured that Guinness World Record honor. It is, of course, a big if, Brett. Not only are those the potential COVID restrictions to deal with, but building the maze obviously needs snow, and there's not a lot of that going on right now. You just mentioned the slushy, mild temperatures. And so here we are with Clint Moss, the owner of Amazing Corn or Amazing Snow, depending on how you want to reference it and which season. And uh, good morning, Clint. Good morning. Well, take us through the plan this year. Bigger than before? Way bigger. Like, there's lots of reasons why it's way bigger. And uh, first of all, we did a six-foot path. Um, that's kind of what's always in the corn maze. And so that kind of leaked into a adequate spacing for the snow maze. So we did that. And then this year, just with COVID, we're going, no, we got to go larger. So 
Now we're eight foot wide paths. So there's more than enough room for people to pass safely going which direction because you never go the same direction and you're always going to be kind of encountering different individuals. So that's, that's number one. Number two, we just want it to go bigger. So I think I did a quick calculation after we talked yesterday and we did about 4,000 feet of wall. That's kind of what we've done in the past. We're getting closer to the 6,000 feet of wall. So it's, it's a monstrous undertaking. And Mother Nature, she's not playing nice with us. We haven't been able to really make snow, except in October, I guess we could have made snow. But that would have been a complicated issue. Clint, I've got to tell you, when Loren told us that you were going to be joining us this morning, I said, Clint is my hero because you epitomize an entrepreneur. You always are so positive when you're on the air with us, even faced with this situation that you're faced with right now, not only COVID, but now the, the one thing that you can count on typically in Manitoba to allow you to do the things that you want to do, building a snow maze, and that's working against you as well. So let's put the weather aside because we can't really control that. But COVID restrictions are obviously controlling a lot of things. As you understand it right now, are you allowed to open or are you counting on an easing of restrictions that might allow you to operate uh, after that? Well, I think there's two things with the COVID. Um, We're outside. So, you know, they're opening ski hills. They're opening, um, you know, different venues that are outside. I don't know if, if I formally have the word that we can be open, um, but if we're in the outside kind of sporting recreation, um, there's there's honestly a good chance. I, I think I think we'll have to go to some higher ups and, and get some rulings on. Yes, you can open. Uh, we want to do what's safe for Manitobans for sure. But I think what's also safe for Manitobans is to get out of their apartments and and get out and enjoy some of this good weather. Hopefully, it's not going to turn to a deep freeze in february and we can do that well but the weather also not helping and yesterday we heard from a senior climatologist with environment canada david phillips on hal anderson afternoon saying that the unseasonable weather is going to stick around so how much snow do you need and how much can you actually make in these temperatures well we like last year like i always kind of did a rough calculation we need about 400 semi loads of truck of semi loads of snow that's what we need to make the snow maze so that's kind of a rough estimate so going up to where we are now just hey that's like now 600 semi loads of snow so we're we made snow last night we started at uh 10 p.m when the, the temperatures fell like we seem to be at that minus six we start the guns and like it's minus 15 right now folks so then at least we're we're got two guns which we used to have just one snow gun so we're going to somehow get there. Like, that's just what we're committed to. Just before we let you go, Clint, just got a few seconds. You also have a big snow hill that you create every year for people to toboggan on. So it's not just the maze that you're making snow for. In a perfect world, what would be your target date if the temperatures cooperate and, and restrictions and all the rest? Well, perfect world would be, you know, that weekend of that 15th, 16th. That's our perfect world, but as you guys know, life's not perfect. So realistically, it's the weekend following. All right, Clint Moss joining us live on 680 CJOB from Amaze in Corn and Amaze in Snow, the website, cornmaze.ca. Clint, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Always like talking to you. Awesome. Thanks for having me on.
were talking earlier about ordering mix-ups after Global's Amber Magookan accidentally ordered seven bags of flour the other day. And we're getting your texts on order mix-ups. This one from Mark, who says, I've been living at my current address for just over a year. And that time I've had skip the dishes at my front door three times that I did not order. First time it was McDonald's. Second time it was Tim Hortons. <laughs> last time it was Junior's. They were left on my front steps at night and then discovered in the morning. Oh. To which, <laughs> what did you call it, Greg? Missing out on some late night what? Nosh. <laughs> so he didn't even he didn't even order this. Like it's not no. like it was an accidental order. Yeah, he needs to get his doorbell fixed, as you suggested. Greg. <laughs> That's Is that right. not what you said? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He needs a new doorbell, and then uh, he can take advantage of somebody else's munchies. And what's this about just a bun? <laughs> One of our listeners said one time, I ordered a Big Mac with no cheese, and they gave me only the buns. <laughs> when I brought it back, they actually argued that that was what, in fact, I had wanted and ordered. Come nothing on. else. No meat. No meat. Nothing. Just Not even some lettuce. The- <laughs> was there mayo? Like a bun with some mayo? That's bun. always a hot pick. Just the bun. <laughs> And, uh, Lorena, you think you mentioned something about coffee makers or coffee? Well, Amanda texted to say that she uh, had ordered a Keurig, is it carafe? Is that how you would pronounce that? And she tried to order one months ago online, but they were always sold out. And then she says she finally contacted customer service. And after a few weeks, they emailed and said, yep, we've got a shipment in. So Amanda placed her order right away. A week later, this giant partial shows up. She says, the box is massive. I thought they mistakenly sent me a whole new coffee maker. Inside the box was eight Carass. She was only charged for one, so she's got about $375 worth of these things in her basement right now. They just arrived in the last week. So, yes, one, two, three, eight. I don't know who, what, where they thought they were delivering to. Maybe they did it as, uh, maybe it wasn't a mistake. Maybe it was like, you know what? You, you, ha- you reached out to us. We're not making this easy for you, so here's your reward. Could be that, but it's probably not. Lots of stock. <laughs> Stocked up for a while on the carafes or the carafe, as I like to say. That's the, not how you say it. Carafe for know. the cafe. Carafe. 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 Yesterday, this was the focus of our discussion. As he is getting hit in the pocket, you know, this isn't the Grey Cup. This isn't the CFL. You can't just take chances and throw the ball down the middle of the field. And expect somebody not to come down with it. And you can see right here, there is just, there's no reason to throw the ball there. That is, of course, the voice of Boomer Esiason, who's the CBS NFL broadcast uh, host, talking about Chris Streveler's interception, which went the other way for the L.A. Rams to a touchdown. And his dismissive and condescending and, quite frankly, had me booing at the television generalizations about the CFL also had our Bob Irving a little worked up. You know, they look down their noses at the CFL, and I get it. They're the biggest and most powerful uh, sports league in the world, and they have the best players in the world. There's never any dispute about that. That's just sort of insufferable NFL arrogance. Yeah, I get my uh, Canadian hackles up a little bit. (laughs) The gentleman who is Strevler's position coach and who is now the offensive coordinator for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is Buck Pierce. We say good morning to Buck Pierce. Good morning, Buck. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, my friend. First of all, Happy New Year. Uh, I hope everything is well with you and your family. We're doing extremely well. Happy New Year to you as well. Um, yeah, we're you know looking forward to a new year, and, and, uh, and we're excited about it. 
So did Assassin's comments get your hackles up, as Bob Irving said? Well, I think I think every CFL football fan collectively, you know, shook their head and turned and looked at the screen because they didn't quite think they heard what they heard, you know, all at one time. But, uh, you know, I, really the first thing that comes to mind is just, you know, disappointed. I mean, you know, a platform like the NFL, you have an opportunity to tell a story and, 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 and tell the story of, of Chris Strebler and, and the CFL. And, and that's what the listeners want. You know, they want to be educated on these guys. And, and, and to be honest, you know, Chris Strebler deserves that opportunity as well. And so does everybody that's involved in the CFL. Now, Bob mentioned yesterday that he thought that maybe Strebler believed that the play where he threw the interception was going to be a wasted play. And I believe Strebler uh, was looking at some of his comments, and I and I just sort of skimmed them, and I think I heard that he may, maybe thought that it was going to be a free play. Have you ever misjudged a situation where you thought a penalty was coming to the defense and it ended up costing you? Yeah, yeah. You know, usually those things happen, but, you know, uh, I think in a situation that, you know, Chris was going through, you know, right there. In his mind, he thought it was a free play. Um, it looked, and you always assume that you're playing football. You never stop playing. You want to protect yourself. Uh, you know, I've, I'm sure Chris would want that ball back. You know, he he thought that he was going to have, you know, opportunity to throw, um, you know, the ball down the field um, versus versus a zone. And, uh, you know, the refs didn't see it the same way that Chris did. Um, you know, so those those mistakes happen. You know, and 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 if you go back early in uh, you know Chris Strebler's career, um, he was playing in his first preseason game versus the BC Lions. We were in, in BC, and he threw an interception, um, you know, down the field versus his own, and they returned it for a touchdown. And I learned a lot about Chris Strebler, and I think you know we did as as an organization and about him as a person because he was asked about it after the game, and Chris said, "Hey, you know." I've thrown interceptions before. I'm going to throw interceptions again. It's part of the position. And right there, you know, shows his, his maturity. And, and uh, you know, Chris, I think we all know, has, has a bright future. Obviously, you know, he's going to be hard on himself for those mistakes. But, but those are going to happen. Yeah, you got to make them to learn from them, Buck. How, how do you, what's your advice for someone in that moment or even the advice that you gave yourself to say, shake it off and move on? Because that can be hard. That can really be a turning point and get you down in a game when those kinds of things happen. Well, I think as, as a coach, you have to understand what, what are teachable moments, you know, and, and uh, those reps, you know, for Chris Strebler the other night are, are going to serve him well. You know, he's a guy that, that learns from those. Um, I think, you know, his coaching staff will, 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 you know, evaluate his performance and, and see some good things and, and see some areas that he's, he can get better at. And, and Chris isn't a guy that's going to, you know, shy away from, from that, those, uh, those teaching moments. You know, he's going to understand that. He's going to look at it and say, all right, you know, this is where I got to improve. And, and they don't just give, you know, players NFL jobs, right? He's earned his way on, onto that roster, you know, and, uh, I think, I think, you know, everybody obviously within that organization, you know, saw something on Chris on, you know, what he did in the CFL and, and what he did in training camp as well.
Well, speaking of earning jobs and, and learning under the best, you learned under one of the best uh, offensive coordinators in Paul LaPolice, and now you've got your just desserts and have been <laughs> really waiting now for an entire season to get on the field with, with your team, Buck, and to, to put some magic together. Uh, is there any concern when you look at the, the situation with contracts and the fact that you've got some of your key players without contracts right now as you, as you start thinking about 2021? Well, I think that's that's you know the general consensus on everybody right now. You know, when you look across the 19th the league, everybody's trying to get, you know, those guys. Obviously, you know, we're going to do our best to try and, you know, keep our band together and and uh, you know ready to get get this thing kicked off again in 2021. Um, you know, I I think I think you know in those situations, um, you know, you know for me it's it's you know continuing to look at you know what. what what the product's going to be that we put on the field. And, you know, I've said this, you know, since day one and since I've, I've taken, uh, you know, my new, my new roles as an offensive coordinator is, is just, you know, our players are going to dictate, you know, who we are, you know, hopefully, you know, we get, we get everybody back. And, and I know it's different times this, as, you know, this go around and, you know, the state of, you know, what we're in, but, uh, you know, excited to, you know, see some signings and then, you know, continuing to look at, you know, what we want to do this, this year. And Buck, uh, you know, we've spoken to a number of Blue Bombers and asked them, you know, how they, what they've been doing to stay in shape, what have they been doing to stay sharp? What have you been doing to stay sharp uh, as it pertains to, to your job? Because there's no football all year, at least on uh, this side of the border. So how do you keep your mind going, keep the, the wheel spinning? Well, you know, watching a lot of football, you know, and thank goodness, you know, the NFL was on and, you know, you see a lot of the bowl games and, you know, some college seasons, you know, you just, you know, you continue to watch football. You know, that's that's a great thing about the job that I, you know, I have is, you know, us as coaches, you know, we we love our we love our work because we love the game of football. So I've really been able to watch a lot of tape, you know, continue to go back, you know, maybe and do some further research uh not just on the 2019 season but even farther back you know and look at a lot of different things and 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 for us as coaches really trying to find out what what is the direct you know correlation on 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 winning football games and you know focusing on the offensive side of the ball you know what are those important things that are going to lead us to victories uh you know in the 2021 season so you know a lot of studying but uh you know you look at you look at a lot of teams and and uh you know you like what a lot of the NFL teams are doing as well and 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 just you know, continue to learn and teach yourself. Buck Pierce, always a pleasure, my friend, and uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, all the best to your family, and we look forward to the 2021 season. Let's get her going. Hey, thank you so much. I really enjoy listening to you guys every day. Have a great day. Thank you, Buck Pierce, joining us live on 680 CJOB, the offensive coordinator for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and just one of the nicest guys we have the pleasure and privilege of talking to here on 680 CJOB. things that I have noticed from walking around, and this is uh, weather-driven, of course, is the snow that was piled up or at least had been padded down or walked down is now just slop and slush. And it's uh, it's certainly been an interesting, unique experience for January. I'm not used to temperatures this mild. And it's, it's it, it makes it tough to walk in spots that have not been cleared, Greg. Yeah, well, and uh, let's face it, there are some uh, good work and there is some work 
that's being done on sidewalks, not only by the city, but a lot of people uh, do shovel their front walk and do a great job of maintaining it. But in my neighborhood, there aren't sidewalks everywhere, and the city's yet to do a residential plow of streets. I know we haven't really met their threshold, but if you have any sort of morbidity issue or uh, are just trying to get out to enjoy this mild weather, if you're walking on a street that hasn't been plowed, then it is not a lot of fun, uh, whether there's a sidewalk in place or not. Obviously, if there's a sidewalk, you want to use that. St. Boniface Councillor Matt Allard says we need to do a better job of cleaning up in winter, and he's filed a motion at a committee meeting that's asking the public service to look at budget options that prioritize sidewalk clearing. He's also asking for the latest numbers on just how many Winnipeggers end up in hospital every year and what that costs. Sound familiar, Loren? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we have this conversation regularly here on CGOB and, and on Twitter, and I've seen already when the first snowfall came, there were people talking just about how the sidewalk clearing, if we're talking about a future that includes more active transportation, then they're bigger priorities have to be to the spaces that people walk or run or what have you. And so we always see these complaints, but we've also seen from politicians before this ask to public works for more information on how we could potentially do this better. In fact, I think it was 2012 that the late Harvey Smith, uh, he actually fell and broke his hip. And so he came up with a sure step. I think it was called, he wanted to sure foot rather a website that was going to rate the sidewalks and, and then be a better system for people to a go online and say, okay, that sidewalk hasn't been cleared yet. I know that now. I don't want to go out there yet, particularly if you're older or you have mobility issues. That might be a challenge, right, just to walk safely. And uh, and so he launched this website in conjunction with the city eight years ago. I can't find it now. It goes to a non-site now when I type in Surefoot, but it's possible that information exists elsewhere. And back then, he too pointed out and had data that said 2,000 people end up in a Winnipeg hospital every year from falling and that costs health, Manitoba Health, us taxpayers, $164 million in healthcare spending. And those are numbers from eight years ago. So we've, we've had these asked before and we've had these requests go in. And, and I'm curious how we keep circling back to the same thing over and over again without much improvement. And, and again, back to the main point, like if, if we're trying to push walking and active transportation, then are we prioritizing these sidewalks well enough? No, I was. I encountered a situation a couple of weeks back. It was right when we had that that first sort of big snowfall, and so they, the plow crews were out everywhere. They were doing what they can to clean the streets up, but the sidewalks downtown, uh, in parts, had not yet been cleared. And I came across a man, uh, an elderly man on like a, one of those motorized scooters. And he was on the street because the sidewalks were impassable. Mm-hmm. And he had just, I guess he had taken a run to the LC because he had a case of bud uh, cradled on his lap and he was stuck on the street as well. So I had to push him from, this was on Hargrave. It was, he was basically at Hargrave in York. I had to push him all the way to Broadway because he could not get through the snow. He was trying his best to sort of dig his heels in, but he just couldn't do it. So that's why we've got to get these sidewalks clear. Well, and sometimes you'll even see in the city of Winnipeg where the sidewalks have been cleared, and then the streets get cleared, and that snow from the streets end up on the already cleared sidewalk. Yep. And there needs to be a system to take care of that, some sort of mechanism to schedule a plow to to immediately be part of that uh, road clearing crew or something because as other people have mentioned as well it's not just about active transportation it's not just about recreation 
ostensibly the 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 sidewalks are an extension of the transit system. Yes. If you can't get to a bus stop safely, then uh, really we are not doing and and creating a, a safe system and an extended system for transit. Well, you're talking about a city that keeps saying that it, transit's a priority for it, right? But you can't get to a bus without a clear sidewalk. It keeps saying active transportation's a priority, but can't use those active routes if they're not cleared. And so I feel like I'm, I'm tired of circling back to the same thing, but I'd like to hear from the councillor, Matt Allard, who put forward this motion. What are you, what, what's the ask here and what can actually be done better? We're hitting the ice, but we're not talking hockey. What are we talking? Well, I had noticed over the past couple of days what seems to be a growing number of Manitobans hitting the ice to fish. And not just people that I know have done ice fishing in the past, but people who are trying it for the first time. And so we're going to check in with one of Manitobans' most avid ice fishers to see if we're actually seeing more people trying this sport out at this time because there's, you know, more time on your hands and you need time to fish and what was the word i used dig that hole cut that hole poke that hole poke a hole not the expression i think you just cut a hole but uh we'll hear more after 8 30 on how this is going and also just some tips for those who might be looking to try it for the first time but don't have equipment yeah because if you get there you 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 scope out a spot and then you realize oh yeah i guess we need to figure out a way to create a hole in the ice so what do you use? And maybe in the event that you don't have, what did you call it, Greg? An auger? An auger. Yeah, in the event you don't have the appropriate tool, like maybe you left it at home, maybe there's something you can use in a pinch. Right? Oh. Like how do you MacGyver a hole? <laughs> okay. in butter knife. <laughs> a butter knife. You know, I was thinking about the magic of a butter knife the other day when I was putting together those frames of those uh, great pictures John Heim did for us for Christmas of the three of us, and of course had to get inside the frame and uh, remove the insides to put the picture in. And of course I used a butter knife to to lift all the little tabs. And the things you can do with a butter knife is utterly endless. And I'm <laughs> I'm determined to actually create a list endless? of things that you Name can them. do. Uh, Name them. Well, you, you can, can use it, it maybe as a screwdriver in some yes, cases. Yes, screwdriver, absolutely. Butter things with it. Yeah, you can uh, throw it in Stir. anger. You can use it uh, in a pinch to lock Six your things. front door. If your front door is not working properly, yeah, you can jam six. it in between the uh, frame and the mm-hmm. door in order to keep it shut. I, I could go on, but oh, uh, could you? I, I Please, would, I got... would prefer to sit down and formally make a list as opposed to being berated and hassled by I'm you. Not at berated this moment. you. You flat out said the list is endless. Oh, so. I once, I once sat on the floor. I, I, you got uh, to six pretty quick. I once sat on the floor and used a butter knife to open a can of, I think it was ravioli, because I realized that my ex had moved and taken the can opener. So this is when I still had my house and was getting ready to sell it, and I didn't have much food. So I, I had to, like, I'm, I am going to get this can open if it's the last thing I do, and all I have to do it is a butter knife. And it worked. Took there you a, go. Took a while. It doesn't matter. Still worked. <laughs> but I was determined. I wish I would have had a picture of that sad image just sitting on the kitchen floor with a butter knife and a can of Chef Boyardee. This was before they had the flip top. Lids. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what movie was I watching the other night? I think it was a preview for that new uh, space movie. Oh boy, I'm going to do this to you here, Brett. The one that's on Netflix right now. Uh, the Midnight Sky with George Clooney? Uh, it's not Midnight Sky. Anyway, they were opening a Budweiser, and it was before the pole cans, and where he actually used a can opener yeah. to uh, open the beer. I 
not around. I'm not old enough to remember them doing that, but that really took me uh, and caught me off guard, the fact that, that, that they did that once upon a time. Oh, and by the way, we're going to continue the chat on uh, on uh, sidewalks in a moment. We're getting some great text messages, but before that, we do need just to remind you as well that at 12.30 today, we will not be getting the usual COVID update. It's coming a bit later. What's happening there, Loren? Yeah, so the, the update that we normally get is now being pushed back to 3.30 today, and that also includes the time when we'll get those numbers. So it's not just getting the update from uh, this. Today it's Dr. Atwal, I believe, but it's also the fact that we won't be getting our daily numbers until 3.30. I suspect that that has something to do with the fact that we have got a cabinet shuffle happening. So some ministers might be being moved to different jobs today or keeping the same jobs but having their roles expanded. We know that they're at 11 o'clock. The premier will be announcing who some new ministers Ministers are. That's all we've been told, new ministers. And so it's possible we'll be hearing about maybe an additional health minister. There's been talk of adding a second health minister to that portfolio. So we'll have more details on that at 11. But because of that 11 o'clock and then an availability with the premier at one, I'm guessing that's influencing the timing of this briefing. But that's, um, we've still got some questions about that. But stay tuned for 3.30 briefing rather than the 12.30. Question of the day at cjob.com is brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question has to do with sidewalk clearing. Does the city of Winnipeg do a good enough job at clearing snow from sidewalks? And so far, the early results at cjob.com say 57% say it's fine in my neighbourhood, 21% say sometimes yes, sometimes no, and 21% say no, it's a mess as always. You can also cast your vote at CJ or on, on Twitter at 680 CJOB. And we're getting a lot of good texts at 204 780 6868. Beth, for example, says, I live in the North End, the William White community, where it often feels like we are last on the list to get any public works done. However, the sidewalk clearing this winter has been fabulous. In a community where the vast majority of people walk, this is a real necessity, and the city is doing well in this area so far. So that's great. Great to hear, Beth. Thank you for that. Also, uh, somebody uh, helping me out here. The Netflix movie is First Man with Ryan Gosling. So there you go. Actually looks really good. Uh, Perry says, we live in a winter city. To do a better job would cost us two ways. Clearing snow down to concrete would be a crazy cost. Repairing the damages from doing this type of cleaning would be costly in summer cleanup. Maybe the people asking should try driving the sidewalk machine. It's not as simple as a good driver makes it look. And those were uh, Perry's thoughts on the topic. And Perry and I went back a little bit. I don't know if anybody's looking for a down to concrete mandate, Brett. But uh, cleared and cleared properly and on a regular basis is something that I think people uh, desire in a winter city. It should be right at the top of our priority list. It's just that the threshold for when they do these things is different. It might be X numbers of centimeters for the main streets and then X number of centimeters for the sidewalk. But then you end up with that problem that we highlighted in the last half hour is that the sidewalk can get cleared first and then they go and clear the road and it dumps a bunch of the snow onto the sidewalk and that had Yves texting in he's a driver and saying the problem that many streets are set up to not have any room between the sidewalk and the curb and so there really is no place to put the snow right there's no choice but for it to end up on the sidewalk so even just the order of how they do things could that not be shifted slightly Brett As I've said before, I like to spend time outside, but I'm not 
Johnny outdoors. You know, I don't have a cabin. I don't go camping. I like to golf in the summer and in the winter. My outdoor activities are typically I'm just going to go for a walk and walk the same 45 minute run every day. But I love being outside. But I know that uh, Loren, a lot of people are trying new stuff this winter. Yeah, we've been talking about that over the past few weeks. I think last week you and I, Brett, you mentioned you wanted to skate, get outside and skate again. Not necessarily new, but go back to something you hadn't done for a while. And we've asked listeners in the past if there's a sport they might try for the first time this winter, what might it be? And I had said earlier, I can't get over the number of people that I'm seeing on social media feeds and just different posts and pictures that are out ice fishing. And so we're trying to figure out what's going on. Are there more people fishing? And when it comes to... Getting out on the ice, what are some key rules we might need to remember to do it safely? So we're joined now by Eric Eric Labopa, who's an ice fisher and owner of Kicker Fish Media. Good morning, Eric. Morning, guys. Glad to be on the start again. Well, thanks for taking the time. We had such a good time with you a couple years ago when we were talking about getting out to ice fish, and it sounds like that's what everyone's doing. Is that my imagination, Eric, or, or does it? are the lakes showing signs of more people ice fishing? Well, I don't think you're imagining it. Uh, a lot more people have taken up the sport, I guess, with the current situation that we're all in kind of thing. And it's a, it's a great thing to do where you don't have to be in a whole big crowd and stuff. You can do it by yourself or with your family and stuff. So, yeah, no, I think a lot more people are taking up the sport. Well, according to my fake niece, Rihanna, this is the greatest thing ever to do is to go out and ice fish. And, and Eric, let's be honest, this has been one of the most popular activities in Manitoba in wintertime for a long, long time. Some might even say sort of a secret society. <laughs> yeah, the community wasn't as big. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of in our blood. I've been doing it since, I guess, in the 90s, I guess back in the back when I was a kid kind of thing, but I've, I've, been, I've been doing it for a long time. And then uh, in the last maybe 10 years or so, there's been an upward trend, maybe five, the last five years, it's, it's skyrocketed to, to incredible numbers now, and everyone's taking it up. And, and if they haven't, they want to try it out. Like, have you guys been ice fishing yet at all yourself? I have not, no. Oh, my God, that hurts my feelings, you guys. You guys, you guys need to get out and give it a shot. I come on. knew as soon as we were inviting you on, he's going to yell at us, Brett. He's going to say, come I'll on. Lauren especially, I'm disappointed in that. You guys got to give it a shot. The weather this week is beautiful. You know, we're hovering at the at the zero mark. You know, get out there and give it a shot. You could do it downtown Winnipeg, to be honest with you. You can. Uh, you can do it out way up north in northern Manitoba. You can go northwest Ontario. You can go close or far. It's it's a it's a very simple sport to take part in. You don't. It's not overly complicated, or it can be very expensive if you want it to be, uh, kind of thing. But there is ways to do it safely for sure. We can't just tell people to just head out onto any old ice, but. Uh, yeah, if you want to take it up, there's, there's lots of ways to, to get involved. For sure. Now, what is the allure with ice fishing? And when I ask this question, I'm not asking because I look down on it. I, you know, I know a lot of people who just love it. But for somebody who looks at it and thinks like, so you want to go cut a hole in the ice and, and sit there for hours and, <laughs> and, and that's it? Like, so what is the draw? Uh, being outside, I mean, winters are long, days are short, and they're starting to get longer now, but... I mean, you got to do something in the wintertime. So you guys have talked a little bit of cross-country skiing or skiing and stuff like that. Snowmobiling people do. I mean, it's just one thing that you can do in the wintertime. It's a sport you can take up. And this one, like I said, is relatively easy. I mean, back in the day, I would use a willow from shore and, and some line and a jig. And that's all I needed to get out there. And, uh, and an axe, actually, just axe out old holes. So you can just, it can be very simple. You're just being outside in the hope of catching a fish. It's pretty wild to, to, to pull a fish out of a little hole in the ice that you're standing on, it's something else, actually. If you haven't tried it, man, it's 
soon as you catch your first fish, you'll be hooked kind of thing. It's like something that you want to get back and do again. Now, when it's minus 40 out there and we get a polar vortex or something, I'm on the side of uh, maybe I will stay in bed today. But uh, most of the time, most of the time, I, I do have that urge to head out for sure, especially when I see pictures on social media and stuff. And I want to get out there and catch fish as well. So I'm curious, you know, you mentioned a couple of pieces of equipment that you obviously have, Eric. We'd have poles, fishing poles in our house, and but that would be about it. So what else do I need? And if I don't have it, like, can you rent it? Are there places to stop and, and pick up equipment along the way? Uh, no, not really. Like, uh, there's no one who really rents out. I mean, if you have fishing poles, like I said, you could have ice fishing rods are generally shorter. You don't use your, your open water rods. You need something to drill holes with. So a simple hand auger will do it especially when the, the ice is still less than two feet, say. You can use a simple hand auger, which is about $50 in one of the stores, or you can get one of the power augers, or you can go with someone who has one. Uh, but you definitely need warm clothes, warm clothes and some good boots. Uh, if you check for ratings, something minus 50 and above, minus 70, minus 100 even. Uh, if you don't have good boots and your feet get cold, uh, it'll be a short day for you and you won't want to go back. So definitely have warm clothes, especially if someone's taking someone out and they're going out for the first time. If, uh, if they ended up freezing and that causes the day to be shorter, they, 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 they usually don't come back kind of thing. So make sure everyone's uh, dressed warm. You can have fishing huts and you can have all kinds of stuff. People are fishing out of the side of their trucks nowadays. You can do all kinds of things out there. But, uh, yeah, you definitely want to be warm and you definitely want to be safe on the ice. Well, safety is a, a huge thing. And let's, let's be honest, though, Eric. Some of these tents and some of these ice fishing, quote-unquote, shacks, they're pure luxury some of them i mean this is a place where you could go spend a, a week of vacation if you really wanted to you really can speaking of that i, I have a friend who was out there for a week out uh, just south of gimli there at husevik he was out there in a fish house and this is like this is a hard-sided wheeled house that you trailer out there he had satellite tvs cooking cooking fish fresh fish for breakfast and supper every day and yeah they were living in luxury there was bunk beds in there so you can be as sophisticated as you want it to be or it could be very very simple, but uh, yeah, these shelters nowadays, we got heaters in there, so you're taking your jackets off inside. We got mats and cots and watching Sunday, Sunday football. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a pastime. It's, it's, a, it's a Manitoba tradition, and uh, definitely should take part. Like licenses that are sold, we're, we're probably going to cross 200,000 licenses sold uh, this year, uh, angling licenses in Manitoba. And that's just Manitobans, though. That's not even because of with travel restrictions and whatnot. That's just only Manitobans, and that's, that's like, what, 20% of the province is uh, taking up the sport. So uh, if you haven't yet, get in. Get in on the action. Is that more than usual for the number of people? Uh, yeah, a little bit. It's an upward trajectory. I mean, for sure, it's uh, people are asking, if are you seeing more people out there? Or like, we, you know, with the borders closed, we have a lot of American friends who come up here and fish every year, especially ice fishing. And, uh, yeah, I haven't seen myself, anecdotally anyway, uh, a decrease in people out there. I think the people, new people to the sport are sort of made up for tourists and, and visitors to the province so it's just it seems like there's so many people and, and the good thing is people are spread out people are fishing everywhere we're talking every corner of the province now in different lakes and people are, are, are spreading out and trying for different species and stuff so it's not just like winnipeg people are fishing all over the place like i said even at the forks i used to do a, a little demonstration thing that the forks i can't do this year of course but uh, when it can happen again i'm going to count on you three being there and, and giving it a shot for sure we look forward to that, Eric. Before we let you go, just what do we need to think about if we're first-timers or even veterans? You know, we might have issues with the ice thickness, and we've been getting warnings about ice being too thin in some spots. So what do I need to consider if, if I'm venturing out? Because people might look and say, well, there's trucks out there and there's shacks out there. I don't need to worry. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Sometimes people see, oh, there's a, someone's fishing by their truck and they see a nice fish picture. And, well, that means every, every body water is good to go to drive on. Someone asked the other day online here, uh, which is a great resource, is can I drive my truck to Pine Falls, for example? I go, oh, don't, don't do that. That water doesn't even really freeze over a lot of time of the year. Don't drive your truck out there. So there's lots of resources online. I mean, uh, uh, the good old social media is good for a lot of things or not, but uh, you can definitely find some information out there and don't take it all as gospel. But ask around, ask around everybody, even your local tackle stores. Ask, ask the people there. They're very knowledgeable. And they're usually up to date on reports and ice thickness. Uh, definitely ask. Don't just go out to any ice. Then you can't assume that it's, even if you see 10 trucks parked like a parking lot on one side, really 200 meters to the left of them uh, could be very, very thin and you could fall through. So always ask, even when you're on the ice, ask, check ice, all that kind of stuff. Uh, because uh, you can never trust ice, even in the middle of February in a full vortex, you still can't trust it. So definitely be safe. We don't want anyone getting hurt out there. Eric Labopa, master angler and owner of Kicker Fish Media, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Eric, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated, sir. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. Anytime. And uh, he also mentioned uh, make sure you have warm clothes, warm boots. Bob Irving has those heated socks. <laughs> Good call. And it was Professor Popsicle who told us uh, we were talking about going to the cold football game. What did he suggest? Bring phone books and put them under your feet? Yeah, uh, so- yeah. anything foam, uh, anything thick that would form as an insulation. Loren, I want you to look this up. Lake Winnipeg Ice Fishing Shack Rentals dot C A. Oh, I've looked it up. I looked it up. I remember a couple of years ago because I, when every time I hear someone saying they ice fish, I want to be with the person who has the jumbo screen TV and a barbecue and the beer fridge. That's the kind of outdoor activity I'm into. They will so cut I've, the holes for you. Yeah. <laughs> ah, you got to cut your own hole. Well, okay, take your bread and butter knife. <laughs> Add it to the list, Mackling. Just one other thing you can do with a butter... Someone already suggested you should take your butter knife and uh, put some cheese whiz on your salary, Greg. <laughs> there you go. There's another thing. The list keeps growing. About all the things people are doing to get out... And have some fun this winter, Loren. Yeah, just trying to find ways to maybe find a little bit of joy in this pandemic. And so we talked about the Forks. It was really busy this weekend with the first section of the river opening, just that small section right out front of the Forks just before it uh, hits the Red River. We know some ski hills have opened. And after 7 this morning, we spoke to the owners of Amazing Corn, who in the winter build an amazing snow maze. And they, of course, are hoping that at some point they'll be able to open and have enough snow to bring people there. This maze, of course, is south of Winnipeg near St. Adolph, and it's already made it into the Guinness Book of World Records. But in hopes of making it COVID-friendly, the plan now is to go bigger. This year, just with COVID, we're going, no, we got to go larger. So now we're eight foot wide paths. So there's more than enough room for people to pass safely going which direction, because you never go the same direction and you're always going to be kind of encountering different individuals. So that's, that's number one. Number two, we just want it to go bigger. So I think I did a quick calculation after we talked yesterday and we did about 4,000 feet of wall. That's kind of what we've done in the past. We're getting closer to the 6,000 feet of wall. As you understand it right now, are you allowed to open or are you counting on an easing of restrictions that might allow you to op- operate uh, after that? I think we'll have to go to some higher ups and, and get some rulings on, yes, you can open, 
Uh, we want to do what's safe for Manitobans for sure. But I think what's also safe for Manitobans is to get out of their apartment and, and get out and enjoy some of this good weather. Hopefully it's not going to turn to a deep freeze in February and we can do that. So he's still working things out, but is making snow in hopes of opening some point at some point this month. As a reminder, there are restrictions for outdoor activities as well. Global's Marnie Blunt explains. There's still rules you must follow if you plan on heading out for activities like skating, skiing, snowmobiling or ice fishing. That includes groups of no more than five people and staying two metres apart unless you're from the same household. The recent warmer weather has many out enjoying the skating trails at the Forks. Manitoba's top doctor says while many people may be on the ice at once, you need to ensure you're sticking to your group and keeping your distance. There can be much more than five people on on a river at the same time, uh, you know, just as long as they're not uh, there together and and spending time in in close proximity. If uh, if there were large groups that uh, were meeting up and and outdoors with the intent of of gathering and and spending time, that's uh, that's, you know, contravening our, our public health order. Marnie Blunt, Global News. And we also had the conversation at 8.35 as well about ice fishing and how that could be another way to get outside and enjoy winter. And we had a couple of people texting us saying, hold on, what are you doing promoting ice fishing, promoting, promoting going out with your buddies and, and drinking beer? When we mentioned that, you know, I said I would have no problem with ice fishing, you know, in principle to sit around with my friends and have a couple of beers. Obviously, You can't do that right now. It's got to be with members of your household. Or if you're in a situation where you live alone and you have that one person, then that's someone you could go ice fishing with. Um, But that's another outdoor activity that a lot of people in this Mm. province not just like but love. Like people who are into fishing, they are a passionate breed. And I admire just how passionate they are about their hobby. Most people I've seen posting when I mentioned that it was I couldn't get over the number of people that were trying it potentially for the first time. They were folks who literally just drove out to a lake with their with their auger and their or borrowed one, right? And then were just plugging down on on, on the ice and digging a hole. They weren't people who had their own shacks and that kind of thing. And again, in your own household, you're still allowed to go in those shacks. So there are rules for outdoor gatherings. We do need to know what they are. But I think a lot of people are spending way more out time outside than they normally would have in maybe another year and for good reason and so those are some of the rules that we're following and we'll update you if they change i always giggle because my neighbor across the street kelly just can't believe the hour at which we get up for work yet on a saturday morning i will go out and do some work in my yard shoveling my driveway or 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 uh, clean the car or whatever and and kelly be coming home at 11 where you been i've already been out ice fishing <laughs> he's already been out and back before noon so on a on a work day the idea of getting up before the the crack of dawn uh is absolutely uh no go for him but when it comes to ice fishing he'll go anytime Anytime at all. And uh, I mentioned my fake niece, Rihanna. I call her my fake niece because uh, I'm just one of those uncles. We're not related, but I'm fake uncle. Niece. I'm, I'm uncle. I'm uncle Greg. And uh, she's, she's 11 and she wakes up her dad on the weekends. It's like, okay, dad, we're going ice fishing now. Absolutely loves it. <laughs> Okay, so weigh in, cjob.com on the question of the day. 
does the city of Winnipeg do a good enough job on clearing snow from sidewalk? It's a pretty close race right now. We've got 39%, pardon me, 40% say it's fine in my neighborhood. 37% say sometimes yes, sometimes no. And uh, 24% say no, it's a mess as always. We've also thrown that poll up on Twitter as well, at 680CJOB, where 43% leading the way, no, it's a mess as always. So a couple of different horse races there. In the meantime, also on Twitter, Greg, you spotted something that I believe you said... Do we have to sell everything? No, those were Loren's words. Uh, my oh, words were, oh, were yes. my words are a little bit less polite. Harken back to the conversation we had uh, at about nine twenty this morning. Um, some of you will be old enough to remember the Smythe Division, the Norris Division, the Patrick Division, the Adams Division, and then the NHL went to these uh, boring geographic names. Well, they've really upped the ante this year. <laughs> They're putting corporate sponsorship. On all the divisions. The central division where the Jets usually play will be the Discover Central Division. The West Division, the Honda West Division. In uh, eastern United States, Mass Mutual, I guess that's a big company uh, in that part of the world. And then where the Jets are playing this year, the All-Canadian North Division is the Scotia Division. So our own Murad Atesh, well, with The Athletic, and, and will be uh, a regular contributor on our Jets coverage, uh, tweeting that out just in the last several minutes. So apparently everything is for sale now. I mean, I get it. We were talking about the fact that the revenues are down, right? They don't just have the TV rights, but they oh, don't have course. any bodies in the stands. They don't have fans coming. I get that everyone's looking for ways to sell different spaces. I think I was reading about just the different spots and the helmets and the uniforms that you might see sponsorship on there. I mean, I, I get it's there's money to be made, but man, I really, it's like how I felt when the, all the stadiums got corporate sponsorship. I mean, yes. I, I get it, but Good it was point. really hard to make that change, right? Like I still call it the saddle dome. It hasn't been that in 25 years. Like it's <laughs> just, it's uh, or the sky dome rather uh, as well. I just, all these names, you get used to saying them and then a corporate corporation comes in and, and yeah. I guess you get used to saying that mass mutual NHL East division really rolls off the tongue. Oh, it certainly <laughs> does. I, that's, I don't think that's their concern. You know, part of the problem here is, is that some of these sponsorships we're seeing the, the helmet sponsors, there is some discussion behind the scene that, I, that I'm hearing. And once again, this is just conversation be, between us that these don't necessarily may not even generate new revenues. It might be what they call make goods for situations where these corporations aren't getting the regular of yes. amount of exposure that right. they are used to with having fans in the stands and because the NHL's television ratings uh, in the restart and in the playoffs was, weren't all that good. So this may not even represent new revenue. It just might be trying to make up, kiss up and suck up to the to the corporate sponsors so that they, they stick around and don't tear up their contracts. Yeah, but then the names stick like, it's not like next year we're going to go back to the un-Honda division. Oh, my gosh. Maybe they'll, uh, well, well, if next year, they will, won't the divisions be realigned once again? So they new could. names. Yeah, new names for the, the either the new divisions or the old divisions or mm -hmm. whatever ends up happening. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully we won't be looking at the same sort of scenario next year. But let us know what you think. 204-780-6868. Are you a fan of the new division names? Is your Which team is your, or which division is your favorite team in? Are they in the Discover Central Division, the Honda West Division, the Scotia North Division, or as Loren said, the wonderfully delightful Mass Mutual East <laughs> Division. The MMMED, Mamad.
Med. Terrible. Just Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.